More than half of all companies globally are family-owned or operated. Family businesses contribute 70% of the world's GDP and account for 65% of jobs. Their voices are important. Their stories must be told. Brought to you by the award-winning publication, Tharavat Magazine. This is the Family Business Voice with your host, Ramya Elagami. Growing opportunities for efficiency gains through big data. One of the greatest opportunities big data has brought businesses is the ability to find ways to optimize operations along the value chain. In fact, while the human element will never be removed from business decision-making entirely, the emergence of big data is enabling us to rely more and more on analytics and less on human guesswork. Dr. Gai Ban has been studying and exploring these very issues in her position as Assistant Professor of Management Science and Operations at the London Business School. We had the opportunity to talk with Dr. Gai Ban about the emerging trend of big data, how it can help businesses of all sizes make better operational decisions, and what is just around the corner in big data developments. Enjoy this episode with Gai. In today's episode, we will be talking about big data within the context of operations, management, and finance. And we're joined here by expert Gai Ban, Assistant Professor of Management, Science, and Operations from London Business School. Gai, thank you so much for joining us today on our podcast. It's my pleasure, Ramiel. So, Gai, first of all, you know, we like to know who we're dealing with here. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about what in your career made you sort of land in this field of big data and made us identify you as an expert who would be great to talk to about this subject? Tell us more. I see. Okay. well, um, thanks for that. So, well, my journey starts from uh, when I was uh, a physics and math uh, mathematics undergraduate. So I, I mean, I love doing math and physics and I knew I wanted to do go on to graduate school. Um, but I'll, at the same time, um, so this is back in 2006, 2007, and that's when there was a lot of interest in, you know, these more quantitative uh, students going into Wall Street, actually. So I was very interested back then in financial engineering. I, you know, wanted to check out a Wall Street career. And so uh, so I applied for PhDs and I got a scholarship to UC Berkeley uh, in the uh, industrial engineering operations research department. Uh, in particular, I was drawn to some of the financial engineering research that was done there. Um, and so in my first year summer as a PhD student, um, so I managed to get an internship on Wall Street uh, doing quantitative um, analysis. So I was a quantitative associate at Credit Suisse for that summer in my first year summer. Wow. Um, and uh, so there were a couple of things I realized during my internship, which I uh, very much enjoyed. So the first thing I realized as a math and physics trained student, so I had the intuition that the bank was collecting a lot of data, but was perhaps not making the best use out of it. Um, they were, uh, you know, they were still doing amazing things, but I had, uh, you know, I just had that inkling that they could pr- 
probably do a lot more with it than they're currently using it for. And I realized, oh, like if I want to, you know, if I want to enter this, you know, what I need to do is I need to go back to Berkeley and take statistics. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so that was my first realization. Um, and, and also a second realization at that time was that um, it's perhaps not a great time to enter the finance industry. Good intuition, I would say. Because <laughs> this, so my internship turned out to be, I mean, that was summer of 2008. <laughs> there you go. I was on the trading floor when uh, Lehman Brothers went down and Bear Stearns went down. Um, and I thought, okay, you know what, let me go back to school and I'll take statistics. So I went back to Berkeley, started taking all the graduate courses in statistics, which included machine learning. And um, I was just extremely fortunate to be actually, um, so, I mean, it turns out Berkeley is a leader in machine learning and AI. And, you know, I ended up learning from the best people out there, you know, the pioneers and the big names. And, um, and uh, but I, as an operations uh, operations research student, so that means I studied business operational problems as opposed to pure statistical problems. So I knew that oh, you know, I want what I want to do is I want to bring these machine learning statistics to my field of operations operations research. Yeah. So I mean, this is exactly basically the segue that we would wish for. Basically, Gai, like, what does big data? actually mean for operations management so how has it changed the opportunities that we have in operations management like our decision making what what specifically would you say like if you had to narrow it down to a few points a few opportunities that this has opened up to us now as as private businesses right 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 so um, so this, uh, I tell my students as well uh, in the uh, master's programs at uh, LBS. And so I tell everyone, look, analytics, right? So the use of data and evidence to support decision-making in business. I mean, that has been around for a while, okay? True. And so now the question is what, uh, you know, what does big data bring? You know, uh, what's the new thing now? So what's different now is the fact that we have much more granular data about every, potentially every single aspect of a business, right? Mm. So in the past, I'd have had some, you know, basic data on a few of your customers, perhaps, or just the uh, very basic details of your, you know, daily operations, you know, recording in Excel and, Absolutely, yeah. you know, and analyzing in a, you know, a very like basic manner. But now we can collect just so much more information. I mean, it's possible to uh, record literally from second by second what's going on. And now we live in a world where we have, one, the software, we have the uh, computation, the hardware. So we now have the um, storage capacity. We have the processing capacity. And also data science that has also evolved, uh, and is still evolving, by the way, um, to be able to handle these huge amounts of data. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, also, obviously, can come from very uh, uh, heterogeneous sources as well. Yeah. So for operations management, essentially, what were we talking about here? Like better insights into how to be even more efficient, more productive, cost-saving measures, and anticipating demand and supply. What specifically are the factors that we are able to optimize even more through the big data? Uh, yeah, no, no. I'm really glad you're bringing the word optimization here. <laughs> exactly. So, so now uh, we can really look into you know where wherever you have to make an evidence-based. 
decision in a business, right? It could be as small, you know, uh, I mean, it could be as uh, routine as pricing decisions, right? So if you're like Tesco or um, in, in the UK is Tesco, but, you know, like, like a grocery store, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can really decide, uh, you know, what prices to charge or perhaps what coupons to give out to different customers, you know, if they're, if they're doing online shopping. So it could be literally day-by-day uh, decisions. And also, uh, so you can also look at more long-term decisions or perhaps decisions where in the past you had relied more on people's hunches and intuition as opposed to data. So, for example, so I have a paper recently, um, it's forthcoming in in uh, one of our journals, uh, MSOM. Mm-hmm. So there we look at our procurement optimization for Zara. So uh, procurement, opt- uh, so procurement decisions. You know, so if you're a, a fashion company like Zara, then you have to source, uh, you know, materials from all, of, all tons and tons from everywhere. Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. And surprisingly, these decisions we found that were being done by human managers. Okay, mm. perhaps with some aided aids from historical sales data. Okay, but what we realized is that it wasn't really being optimized given the amount of the data that Zara already had. And so in this paper, we show how you could really build an optimization tool that brings in the big data from historical sales to inform procurement decisions in the future. And so what that means is you would have to rely less on human intuition I'm not saying that humans are not necessary. You always will need, you know, human intervention with this, especially big decisions like procurement. But now we can provide much more uh, informative, quantitative, mm-hmm. data-driven decisions. So we have more support, basically, in our decision-making with these big decisions. But, I mean, you know, when you say, like, and you mentioned, like, a behemoth like Zara, which is, like, you know, the biggest in fast fashion right now. I mean, if you think about the impact something like this can have on a company like Zara, we understand that it must have industry-wide repercussions yeah. in, in, many, in many industries, right? Like, so if we look at, I think today's biggest fascination is for any private business, for any family business is is our industry going to be there as we have known it for generations in the decade to come? And for some, there is an actual fact that that might not be the case. From your operations management perspective and from the opportunities this has brought, big data has brought, yeah. what do you think are the industries that have, have and will experience the greatest amount of disruption through this incredible amount of information that we now have? Um, yeah, so... I would say, actually, we already have very good examples of industries that's already been disrupted. Absolutely. So I would say um, the investment management community, for instance. So that's the world I was initially introduced to myself. So, uh, for instance, quantitative trading and quantitative investments, right, like quantitative hedge funds, they have been around for a few decades now and have been extremely successful. And um, so, you know, I'm just naming places like Citadel, uh, uh, Renaissance Technologies to Sigma Investments. You know, these are giant hedge funds out there, you know, with decades of uh, great uh, performance. And uh, so, I mean, the word they are known for, of course, his, more historically, statistical arbitrage, right? Mm-hmm. So that's more of a, uh, yeah, so that's the more common word. But the fact is what they've been doing, right? So the finance industry has been collecting a lot of data. So they have been actually in that big data business for perhaps the longest, 
from the other industries, um, perhaps because of the financial incentives, right? So probably. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so I would actually say um, they are a great example of you know an industry that's been using big data successfully. Um, or sometimes, of course, not so successfully. But that's uh, I mean we can that's the human it. factor. I would say that's the human decisions that interfere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you look at the failures, you can also bring in lessons for other industries as well. Sure. Anyways, finance absolutely retail. Um, so I mean, Amazon is everywhere. Um, Amazon is everywhere, oh, and also Zara as well. I mean, uh, actually, so if, it's very interesting. So Amazon and Zara, um, so these are giants of uh, retail slash fashion right now. And if you actually look at their history, how they evolve, you realize that actually the founders or the CEOs, right? So right at the start, they had analytically analytical strategies right from the start. And so when they grew their business, they were always taking the utmost opportunities mm-hmm. of big data and analytics right from the start. And it's really at the core of how they grow their business. Um, and um, and I think, I mean, that's definitely one of the key reasons why they are so successful and why they have grown to be as giant, as gigantic as they are right now. So, uh, I mean, there are, of course, uh, two big examples in retail. And, and of course, there are much uh, many smaller players in retail, right? I'm sure, obviously, in, you know, family businesses. Um, so, Well, Zara is a family business. So to be fair, they're oh, both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> reminding me yes, yeah absolutely. exactly exactly um so i would really say you know the way to bring this about and to really capitalize on big data i think it has to be at the core of the the leadership's thinking you know so i mean but let's go into that a little bit guy like this is exactly the kind of like sort of insights that we're looking for from your end right like so there's a lot of family businesses of as we just discussed all sizes because uh, some of the largest companies in the world are actually family owned uh, but of course it ranges from mom and pop stores to conglomerates so it's not particular to size but i think what is um what it is particular in maybe is a curiosity but then also like a sort of a hesitance as to where to start with these with these sort of like new opportunities that are out there so if as a private company as a family business I've recognized the opportunities mm-hmm. of big data right like I've recognized that how much um, how much optimization as we've before mentioned can be achieved through it where do I start like you know what is a good sort of like first question to ask mm-hmm. my leadership team as you mentioned before or myself with well, regards to my company to get started to benefit from this amount of information that's actually out there right right so I guess then now we're perhaps addressing a company that's um, uh, perhaps not like you know Zara or Amazon and perhaps uh, just at the start of taking advantage of big data exactly that hasn't hasn't done it yet yeah Right, right. So if if a company is in that situation, which actually most companies are, um, big or small, actually, I've spoken to plenty of big ones too, and uh, the you know the really the thing to think about are really you know ask what are the key decisions, right? So what are some of the you know both uh, frequent and infrequent, but what are the main decisions that has uh, that take place in the in the company to in the in the operate in the operations of the company, right? And ask, well, are they decisions for which you need uh, evidence and data? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And if they are, then, well, and I'm sure, actually, uh, if they are, I'm sure companies are already taking, doing some kind of analytics. 
Uh, I'll be very surprised if companies, especially, uh, you know, successful ones, I'll be very surprised if they didn't uh, employ any analytics at all, right? Um, so really revisit these decisions, right, mm-hmm. that has been already taking some data into it, but really ask, could we take this further? What if we could optimize that decision? Are we collecting the correct the correct kind of data? Exactly. Should we be collecting more data? And if we had more data, can we, uh, one, improve the decision-making right now? Or can we even expand the business into new dimensions altogether? Um, okay. so for instance, um, if you had uh, – so I just worked on a paper on personalized uh, dynamic pricing, in other words – um, in other words, if you say started collecting a lot more data about your customers, then you could you could um, distribute personalized coupons, for instance, right? So that's a whole new strategy that you can start thinking about once you have a lot more data, and so um, about their behavior, yeah. So exactly. So uh, so it's really about you know revisit, you know, re, uh, think of like really from the top, like go top down. What optimize? What are we doing? Uh, can we use the data we already have? So that's one. Another is what should we be collecting more data in order to improve our decision making that we're currently not using data for? So and this is this is fascinating, right? Like so, it gets us back to just the amount of information that whirls around a company at any given time, whether it's captured or not, right? Like, and I think this is a big. A big, I think, fear maybe also sometimes in the family business at the moment of succession is how do we convey all of this knowledge to the next generation? Um, but maybe now with like, you know, there's more software opportunities, there are more ways to capture relevant information within the company. Mm-hmm. But so aside from needing an actual dashboard, let's put it this way, of like, you know, of data coming in on the company in real time or, or whatever, what kind of impact does this have on the human capital decision here like you know what kind of people should family businesses look to hire in the future in order to support a more data-driven decision-making culture right okay so if there is no experts in-house currently then i mean there are two ways to do this and again i'm using the using the finance industry as a model. So if you look at uh, the finance industry, you, re- uh, you can see that, you know, the big banks, right? So they would start, uh, they have been growing their in-house capabilities for a while. Mm-hmm. And so they will just have their in-house research team on data science or quantitative finance. So, you know, there you have, um, you know, lots of PhDs or even ex-academics uh, employed there. And they would, you know, they would, of course, you know, grow the team and would be quite organic support to the whole company because, you know, they have the right training and so on. So one way is to, you know, really think of growing an in-house team. That's something to definitely consider if the company is big enough. If the business is big enough, then yes, absolutely. Um, uh, and, you know, and again, yeah, going back to Amazon and Zara, they they have you know big uh, analytics slash data science teams. Yeah. And now, if you uh, are not so big to invest in a whole in-house team right now, then uh, definitely you have to start somewhere. So get some external consultants and, um, you know, really discuss the whole business, see what you can do with an expert consultant. And the thing is, sometimes it could be that you don't need to do, it may be that your business doesn't really require to be on Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. 
And if so, if that is the case, then traditional analytics with using Excel even very well, right? So I actually teach Excel to my master's students. And even doing that in a very, very good way could actually be the right thing for your business over, you know, investing right. millions you know, millions of dollars in, uh, you know, Hadoop and all these like systems. Um, so, so, so don't go, don't go too fancy, go relevant basically yeah, to your business. Yeah, I see. I hear lots of stories of managers, uh, not a specific to family business, but in general, I've heard lots of stories of people being too starry eyed about big data. Right. Uh, going out and spending big money in these, you know, all these sophisticated software and hardware systems when before they realize or before they figure out how they can actually derive value from the big data. Yeah, I think this is a, this is a great also, again, like a great lead off into uh, my next question for you. You mentioned before, it's not like you encounter big data use uh, necessarily in big companies or small companies or at all across the board. How have you found the adoption rate or the acceptance of the fact that big data is available in the private sector? Like, you know, where have you, where do you expect this and do you expect it to pick up? Do you expect there to be a faster sort of like uh, adoption rate of big data analytics in business decision making in the, in the future? Do you think it's industry specific or, or what do you think? I guess I mentioned finance and retail as two big industries, right? Um, that's already, you know, that's really already appreciating and being revolutionized by big data. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, in terms of adoption rates, um, I think it's really about having once one or two companies in a particular industry, right, start using big data and mm-hmm. de- start deriving huge amounts of value from it, then it's exponential. <laughs> right. There's snowball effect, basically. Exactly. Yeah. There's a, there's a snowball effect. Exactly. Um, and of course, I'm just thinking, of course, advertising. We have Google and Facebook, right? So, and uh, big data is just the core of that business. That's obviously disrupted the advertising industry. It has. Um, wherever you are with your business, um, you want to first figure out hypothetically, right? So first, yeah. uh, hypothetically, do some thought experiments, right? So where could you could, could your business derive value from big data, right. and then. And also, and then don't, uh, you know, once you can figure that out, but still don't jump into these million dollar investments, um, start small, you know, try to improve the analytics now, perhaps with even just small data, small as in just what's existing or, or exactly. by a little bit more. So, so do some experimentation first. And then you can jump into big investments. So proceed with caution and and with relevance. I I like that advice. I think family businesses will like that advice too. It's in our nature to think long term and not to spend too much money in one go. (laughs) So uh, as a last um, as a last question, Gai, for us uh, laymen's, um, it'll be fascinating to understand from your perspective as an expert. What developments in big data in the near future are you particularly excited about like you know what do you feel is going to be a milestone in say the next five to ten years where you're like yes uh, in terms of analytics we're going to have a breakthrough once we've reached uh, xyz point in time where the technology allows us to do certain things what what do you think what are you excited about so of course you know obviously big data is a huge field um it doesn't 
uh, just comprise of operations, research, and finance, which you know, which is my area. Um, but because that is my area, so I will speak for <laughs> what I know. So I mean, what I am extremely excited about is the confluence of big data and optimization. So these are, so traditionally, right, machine learning slash statistics, big data, that had been the realm of data science. And traditionally, my field of optimization and operations research, we have actually evolved rather separately mm-hmm. on very, very recently, actually. So I have uh, written some of the first papers bringing the two together. And I am extremely excited about this because it's really about, so instead of big data being used just for uh, predictive for predictions, for better predictions, which is what most statisticians care about. So statisticians care a lot about predictions and traditional machine learning as well. So when I say, sorry, um, by the way, when I say statistics, I mean statistics slash machine learning. So yeah. So if you look at the traditional data science, it has been a lot about predictions. What I'm very excited about uh, in the fairly near future, partly due to some of my own work and the developments in my area, is that the fact that you can bring big data for prescriptive problems as well. And so this is exactly what we, we've, we've been talking about. So uh, we've been talking about bringing big data for optimal decision making. And you know, it's ultimately when it comes to business uh, business decisions, you want to optimize to get rid of as much inefficiency as possible, right? Um, and so there are, so I have worked on, you know, pricing problems, inventory problems, um, but there are many other problems that have yet to be um, uh, studied from this angle, actually. Yeah, so I'm Fascinating. very... Well, Gai, we're, we're very happy you're on the ball for us all and like pushing the field forward and hopefully helping us future uh, family business owners making smarter decisions based on data and hopefully we will all be able to uh, have access to smarter decisions through this. And thank you very much for your insights. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Romeo. It was a Thank you for listening to the Family Business Voice. Subscribe to our channels now on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or Spotify to be notified of our weekly episodes.